Hello, Trash Crusaders. Welcome to Save Trash Cinema, the podcast where exploitation and exploration come together. It is I, your guide through trash cinema, your favorite dumpster boy, Cayman Darty. We listen to your feedback, all of your DMs, emails, and angry late night text messages, and they have not fallen on deaf ears because on today's Trash Talk, we're covering the history, the legacy, and the impact of the notorious video nasties. But I'm no expert, and more importantly, I'm American. So instead of appropriating someone else's history, I thought the smart decision was to bring someone else on who is an actual expert. He's the voice behind the Nasty Pasty podcast, creators some of the coolest film slipcases and booklets, as well as the brain behind an upcoming fil- uh, upcoming book dedicated i was gonna say film it's not a film it's a book dedicated to none other than the video nasties themselves welcome to the show andy marshall roberts andy thank you so much for joining us today and i am so excited that you're here how are you i'm really good thanks cayman uh thank, thank you very much for inviting me on it's a it's a subject i'm very passionate about um and something that just seems to have fallen into my life by accident um, but yeah, I'm really happy to be here and I can't wait to tell you all about it. Well, fantastic. Well, I can't wait to jump into it, but before we do that, let's do a little quick housekeeping. We'd love it if you rate and review the podcast on your podcast app of choice. Don't forget you can be on the show by submitting movie recommendations or by being a guest host by emailing us at savetrashcinema.gmail.com or you can DM us on all socials at Save Trash Cinema. Make sure to check out last week's interview with the brilliant director, Kieran Reed when we discussed his hit short film, All You Can Eat. A Toxic Burrito Story. We will be continuing to release mini-sodes, crossover episodes, interviews, and even game shows. So keep your eyes peeled for some exciting content coming down the pipeline. And enough housekeeping, let's learn some shit. The Video Nasties, everyone. And now, our feature presentation. In the U.S., we have dealt with our fair share of obscenity laws and challenges over the years, mostly pertaining to pornography and most recently, uh, children's books. But um, films have also encountered the fair share of controversy, whether it be hotly contested release of the Deep Throat film or the creation of the X rating to the more recently and lesser used NC-17 rating. Nothing has ever been quite safe when it comes to the laws that have been passed. And while films still get edited down or re-released on physical copies in an uncut status, our friends from across the pond have faced their own uphill battle against overt censorship. The censorship is the video nasties. Now, the video nasties was a commonly used term for a list of films deemed too profane for a sensible audience. Unlike the rating system that was implemented in the U.S. to dissuade viewers from watching these films, the U.K. opted for a much harsher set of standards. In 1983, the first list of video nasties was released. The first batch of films were Section 1, Persecutable Films. These, this list included trash classics such as The House by the Cemetery, The Burning, and I Spit on Your Grave. Following that was Section 2, Non-Prosecuted Films. This list included films such as Dead and Buried, The Toolbox Murders, and the beloved Bruce Campbell classic and one of my personal favorite films of all time, The Evil Dead. And finally, the most expansive list was the Section 3 Video Nasties. 
On that list, you could find trash classics such as The Texas Chainsaw Massacre, Friday the 13th, and even Night of the Living Dead. And now we have brought on Andy. Uh, he is an expert in the field. Like we've said, he is writing a book about it. And honestly, he is much smarter than I am. And so I'm very excited for him to give us a full breakdown and kind of explain what the video nasties are. But before we dive too far into the actual history and how those lists came to be, I want to open the floor for you to give us a little insight into who you are and how you've become a foremost expert on the subject. Okay, so... Um... It's uh, it sort of happened by accident. Um, I was always a horror fan from a very young age. Um, I think Critters was my very first one, maybe when I was about four or five. Um, and I've been watching them ever since. And it was when I was about 14 or 15 years old, um, we went to uh, a sort of a, a flea market, I guess you'd call it, but we call it a car boot sale over here. <laughs> um, where people open the trunk of their cars and sort of like sell stuff from from the trunk. Um, and I came across this DVD, and it was called The House by the Cemetery uh, mm -hmm. by Lucio Fulci. I'd never, ever heard of Lucio Fulci. It, I, it, I didn't recognize this movie at all. And this was back in the day when Google was relatively early in its infancy. And I remember watching the film and being very surprised by it. And I thought Google wouldn't even heard of this movie. Like this is how obscure this movie must be. But anyway, I did it and uh, it came up surprisingly. And it said that it was a video nasty. And I hadn't a clue what this, this term was. And I, and I thought, well, what's a video nasty? And I think we're all, we're all sort of, um, we all share that kind of common thing of sometimes going down a rabbit hole on Wikipedia. Sure. <laughs> so, uh, so I basically went on a rabbit hole onto what a video nasty was. And I just couldn't believe that this had happened. So essentially, um, back in the 1980s, uh, the country, uh, well, obviously the UK, was uh, in a bit of social turmoil. Um, the political party in charge, the Conservatives, had been in, been in power for a few years, and most of their campaign promises were not being reached. So uh, there was mass unemployment, and uh, people were just generally unsatisfied. Lots of industries were being sold. Um, yeah, not a very nice uh, time, really. There were riots as well, uh, riots, uh, famous ones in Brixton, which is um, near Liverpool. Um, so basically, the, the, the government in power needed something to kind of re-target people and at least show people that they were doing something. And it just so happened at the time that video had just come very popular in Britain. I think um, video recorders were, um, uh, the percentage of British users compared to other countries were, were, was astronomical and it was really taking off in the country. Now, you were mentioning before, obviously, um, America has the MPAA. Um, in the UK, we had the BBFC. Now, back then, they were called the British Board of Film Censors. And so everything that was in the cinema was um, classified by this body, and they would give it a rating, not unlike the, the MPAA ratings. Um, but because of uh, the legal loophole around video, video wasn't actually bound by that same system. So videos would come out into the country um, completely unrated, without any sort of um, censorship, without any quality control. And essentially, someone panicked about that. Um, essentially, lots of um, lots of these small companies were buying uh, huge catalogs of films, mostly from America and uh, Italy, well, Europe in general. And a lot of these films were stronger than what the British cinemas would be showing. 
Mm-hmm. So you'd have stuff like Cannibal Holocaust, um, House on the Edge of the Park, House by the Cemetery, uh, Evil Dead. And these would never really have passed complete in the British cinema. Um, so one day, <laughs> someone somewhere must have clearly watched one of them, and it sparked a huge panic in people. Um, I, think it, I, think, I think, in fact, it was probably Cannibal Holocaust, Um the 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 the, um, the distributors of Cannibal Holocaust in the UK sent a copy to a very very bu- uh, old fashioned busybody in the country called Mary Whitehouse. Yeah. So that's actually <laughs> <laughs> so. Speaking of Mary Whitehouse, now for all of our American listeners, uh, we can probably equate Mary Whitehouse uh, to former first lady and the most punchable person to ever exist in the United States, Nancy Reagan. Um, <laughs> There's there's a story that I had heard where a lot of the something about the fact that uh, like she, they had had a kid or someone had a child who had heard one of their friends on a playground and were like the person, the kid on the playground was talking about some movie that they probably didn't actually see. And then it kind of makes its way up the ladder and it gets over to Mary Whitehouse, who seems to be the mortal enemy of, of horror films in general. <laughs> Yes, uh, she she started her campaigning back in the 60s, I believe, just to clean up British television. Like she thought that uh, progressive attitudes that were coming, um, you know, from the from the 60s were starting to impact on the quality of TV and make it like sort of immoral, you know, generally immoral. So more sexualized, uh, more violent, stuff like that. So she'd been campaigning for years. I think the the idea though that um, that videotapes that could bypass all of the arrangements that the country had set up to protect people from you know specific types of content i think that was just a nightmare image for her so the distributors of cannibal holocaust um sent her a letter with fake outrage basically saying that this movie thinking of course that this was going to get the publicity that they 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 needed in fact it did but then eventually it just got corrupted into a really terrible thing so um, yeah, so essentially, she didn't watch the film. I know, infamously, she didn't actually watch the film. I think she had someone else view it, or at least she got reports from somewhere else about it. And she sparked off this entire campaign about how these there's a bunch of films out there that were essentially making their way into the home, uh, that children were watching them without any supervision whatsoever, and were then becoming addicted. There was a lot of rhetoric to suggest that... Um, because of the the video format and because they were now portable and you could put them in when the parents weren't there. There was a lot of sort of drug rhetoric almost mm. like it was like children were being hooked and um, being addicted to, to violence. So this eventually blew up and the papers, you know, had a field day with it. I'm, I'm sure like a, it's sort of like di- the daily mail, which is sort of like the Fox news of the UK sort of, um, Really ran with the story and went with a big campaign to ban sadistic videos from the from the home, uh, and eventually the um, the authorities took notice because of of course you know it it was seized upon as as a great way to to focus people's attention and actually be seen to be doing something, at least about something. So um, yeah, so they put forward some test cases. I think Cannibal Holocaust, um, I Spit on Your Grave, and. I believe it was Death Trap, which is uh, Toby Hooper's Eaten Alive. Mm-hmm. Uh, they were the first three that were put to uh, the test because obscenity laws in the UK uh, up until that point had only really been used for pornography because um, hardcore porn was still 
outlawed massively over here. So the obscenity laws that we had were only used to um, prosecute distributors of porn. So these test cases were given to the director of public prosecutions, sort of like the attorney general of the country. Um, and but basically just to see whether juries would find violent content to be obscene in the eyes of the law. And they did. They, they, they were successfully you know, uh, prosecuted, at least on their first try. So then the director of public prosecutions, some figure, I think his name was uh, Sir Thomas Hetherington, um, essentially said, well, I believe that these films are obscene. I'm giving the police the power to seize these films and prosecute anyone who has them. And also, here's a list I've made up, or at least I've conceived. These are the films I think that are in this same vein as these films, and I think that you should go and seize them now. So essentially, that's what happened. The police then were able to raid video shops in the country and did so like vociferously. And <laughs> films were just taken from the shelves, sometimes wholesale, like the entire shop would be taken sometimes. Sometimes it really didn't matter what film they got as long as they got something. Um, so yeah, that's essentially what happened. Uh, the list wasn't made public immediately. Uh, the police didn't really want people to know what films were obscene, rather strangely, because you'd think if they just told people, they might have at least taken them off the shelves. Um, but no, they just went and wantonly stole things <laughs> off the shelves, and people who distributed them were prosecuted. Some of them got fines, some of them were let go. Sometimes juries would, would obviously watch the films in court, or at least watch snippets, and deem that they were not obscene at all. So I think you mentioned before that there's section one and section two and mm -hmm. section three. So, so that's, yeah, that brings me yeah. to, to the next question, which is uh, the list of films included in the video Nazis obviously had a wide yes. ranging list of punishments that could be attributed to them, specifically mm. the section one films, which were prosecuted films. Um, mm. There's quite a bit of speculation regarding the amount of people who were actually prosecuted or better yet, prosecuted successfully so i'm curious mm. if you can tell us a little bit more about the actual court proceedings pertaining to people caught with copies of these banned films and kind of what yeah. the expectation was if you were in possession right so it's a it's an odd thing and i know that um wikipedia off, uh, is, says that there's, there's a section one the the truth of the matter there's only section two and section three movies section one of the obscene publications act only establishes uh, what basically makes an article obscene in the eyes of the law. And I think it's determined as something that has a tendency to uh, deprave and corrupt a significant portion of its target audience. So section, so, so nothing, nothing can actually, I know it's legally, it's a very, very, very vague term. Yeah. So it, it can be applied to pretty much anything really. Um, so there isn't actually a section one. I think Wikipedia just keeps putting it that way. And I, I, I think I've even tried to change it back to section two. So essentially, section two was a list of 72 movies. Now, section two of the Obscene Publications Act says that if um, that an article of obscenity can be tried with a jury, and if it's found to be obscene, then the distributor would be liable for to pay a penalty or um, incur a jail sentence. So basically, anything that's in section two was a real hot potato. So if you were caught either distributing it in a shop this was an odd thing. It wasn't really the people that were buying them that were prosecuted. It was the distributors. 
And sometimes if it wasn't the distributors, it would be the, the actual company, like the distribution company that mastered that, the tape masters. Um, so that they, they would also be prosecuted as well. Um, so those were, the, those were the big fish, the 72 movies. Um, essentially what would happen if you were found guilty, you, you, like I say, you either got a fine or you got um, a jail sentence. Most of the companies, though, that were uh, flogging the video nasties uh, mostly got fines because they didn't really fight in court, really. Mm-hmm. Um, the only one I can think of in particular that got a, a very infamous jail sentence was um, uh, it's a film called um, Nightmares in a Damaged Brain, which I think is just known as plain nightmare in mm-hmm. the US. Yeah, and it's... Um, I've, I, I've, I don't know, have you seen it personally? Because yes, uh, yes. Honestly, not a very good movie. Like, no, it's, no, it, no. It's just not like I don't know. It's one of those like <laughs> notorious films. Like uh, we watched it one night with a big group of us, and uh, at the end of it, we're like, "Yeah, the title is um, title is accurate." It was a nightmare to sit through. It's not. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> it's yes, it's 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 not it's not a great film. Uh, the, the the real irony, of course, is that um, the version that was released in the UK wasn't completely uncensored anyway. So it was actually missing some some bits, but the the key the key piece of evidence was actually it, they proved that it was longer than the cinema version which ran in our country, which had even more cut out of it. So because it was slightly longer, there was <laughs> there was the, the the legal argument that because it wasn't the the BBFC sanctioned version that it was therefore illegal, even though it, we still weren't getting the full on cut version, but. Uh, infamously, the guy that um, ran uh, World of Video 2000, who released it, uh, David Hamilton Grant, I believe his name was, um, got put in prison, like a long prison sentence, I think 16 months or something like that. Jeez. Which, when, obviously, even in even at the time, it would have been absurd to think that just for selling a movie, you were going to get, eight, you know, say, over a year in prison for it. The, the problem was he wasn't a very pleasant character, apparently, anyway, and didn't really help his case because he was quite, um, yeah, quite a, quite a screwball, apparently. So, uh, but yeah, so it ranged. Uh, with Section 3, this was a bit of a, it was almost like a gamble, really, by the, the DPP. So Section 3 of the Obscene Publications Act um, gives you a legal loophole out of prosecution Mm-hmm. Uh, by simply forfeiting the obscene material. So if you're caught with a, an obscene piece of material, the police can just say, look, we know it's obscene. Uh, don't don't try and hide it. Just give it to us, and then we'll say no more about it. So almost like th- the obscenity is admitted by forfeiting the goods. So every film that was on Section 3 could be taken by police, and if the dealer or distributor didn't kick up a fuss about it, they wouldn't have to go to court and defend it. But in all cases, when films were prosecuted, um, they were taken back to Scotland Yard or you know, one of the major constabularies, and they were incinerated, like they were burned and destroyed. <laughs> you know, it's. Uh, I mean, we shouldn't. You know, Godwin's law always says not to make analogies to Nazism, but book burning and video burning are essentially the same thing, um, except these were legally endorsed. So. So yeah, yeah, some we, of the yeah, go we, on. We had a we I mean we had a similar situation around the same time that the video nasties was going down in the UK and America. We had the Satanic Panic, of um, course, yeah. And during the Satanic Panic, that was a big thing. Churches would hold CD or vinyl burnings where they would take <laughs> their kids' Metallica records 
and their <sighs> Slayer records, and they would Iron Maiden, and they would take these, bring them outside of the church in the front yard, just light those sons of bitches on fire. And <laughs> because obviously the, the, the best way to, to get the devil out of it is just set something on fire. Apparently we've been doing it since the way Salem witch trials in the United States and have made a pretty good, um, pretty good record of just burning anything that just doesn't seem like it fits. Um, yeah, which is crazy. Yeah. I, the, the, the solutions that we go to are just immediately to destroy. And it's sad. Yeah. Honestly. It, it is. I think it's, I think certainly in this case, because um, obviously when I first found out about the Video Nasty scandal, my first reaction was, right, I've got to get me a copy of all of these movies. <laughs> and I got I got that list and I, I, you know, I um, hunted Amazon and eBay and wherever I could. And obviously now I've, I've got the entire set, like from beginning to end, like all of them. And on the most part, they're really not worth this reaction. I will I will admit some of them are hot potatoes and some sure. of them are clearly, clearly designed to to rub people up the wrong way. I mean oh, yeah. I, 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 I can see why Cannibal Holocaust for upset sure. people, it's, for example. It's a thousand percent just the copious <laughs> amounts of animal death on screen. Exactly. So I have to exactly. I mean I, I have to give like credit where credit's due. There's companies here in the States like Unearth Films that are about to le- release uh The Calamity of Snakes, which is a very notorious film for the amount of snakes that get killed on screen. It just there's it's just all like the whole film. Yeah. And yeah. Uh, part of their releases and all the profits from the film that they make, they're all going to a charity that's run to help prevent endangered species of snakes, which I think is fantastic. Oh. But not only that, but you can also watch the film with a cut that is the animal cruelty free cut. Um, It does remove all those. And I know that there are some versions you can find of Cannibal Holocaust that does cut out the animal death. And honestly, Mm. I'm going to be completely straight here. It's a better movie without it. Um, Mm. It's not necessary in the slightest. There's it doesn't move a lot forward. And so I can definitely see like some of these films like having like. I, I could get where some people would be like, hey, probably don't watch that. Um, yeah, yeah, of course. Is, is, but, but so I, I appreciate the fact that you do. You now own all of the films. Um, but it is, and I, like, it is very curious to me uh, because as part of the original list of films that, that were part of the video nasties, um, and as of this recording from the research I've done on my end, it's, it shows, and this could be incorrect, because apparently mm-hmm. the section one technically doesn't exist either. Um, no. There are 33 films that are technically still banned in the UK from the original list. Is that accurate? Um, see, it's or how like difficult? I mean, I'm assuming you can get you know separate regions. You can get like order them in from the US. Like how how does yeah. like, actually yeah, acquiring uh, a film like that work? The 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 problem I think that um I, I think that's I think that's why a lot of these films have in recent years just become. Uh, uncensored over here and released fi- like the, the culture over here in terms of film se- censorship it's it's virtually non-existent the whole call to censor movies um n- nowadays anyway um we send we team uh, we uh, we're tending to be more focused on other cultural issues um mm-hmm. all of which are just as just as sad and meaningless sure. um <laughs> but uh yeah, so film censorship isn't really a problem over here anymore. I think the problem with some of these films still not being available is actually just whether people want them and whether there's a market for them. I know that, um, for example, Snuff, which is one of them, um, 
was technically uh, passed by the BBFC on cut way back in like 2004 or 2007, something like that. Um, but the the distributor sort of not chickened out necessarily, but just couldn't really find the um, didn't really think it would actually sell that well. So they decided not to release it ultimately. So it's technically legally available, but no one's released it over here. Mm. It's more of that sort of scenario where the ones that are not available over here are just ones that haven't been released over here. But like, like we said, um, the, the market over here is still open, even though we, <laughs> even though we're not part of the European union anymore, sadly, um, it's still very easy to import films over here. Yeah. So we, we, I mean, I've, I myself have got a region-free Blu-ray player, so I import a lot of material from the US um, and Europe as well. So it's not true necessarily that the 33 is still banned over here. In fact, there's only two I can think of that actually are still banned, um, and that is uh, Gestapo's Last Orgy is still banned over here, and uh, Love Camp 7, both of them. So both of them interestingly are nazi exploitation movies and that is, that they were interesting that's interesting yes. that they would be because i know in germany like germany has very 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 strict raw laws about what can and cannot contain nazi imagery um mm. and like how it has to be portrayed I, I mean if you look at something like video games like wolfenstein um mm. if you play the german release of the game there is no <laughs> nazi symbolism no. in the game at all and the final boss of the original game, when you fight Hitler and kill the son of a bitch, uh, he's not the same. He's a completely different thing, too. So, no. Like, I mean, uh, they, they've, they've, they've removed his mustache, haven't they? And, like, just yeah. altered the facial sort of mesh. Yeah, you can't really... Like, it's still kind of... It's all pixelated, so you, it, you, you can barely tell it was Hitler in the first place. But, like, give yeah. us the ability to kill Hitler, guys. Like, I feel like that should be the one <laughs> thing we have the right to do is kill Hitler. Um, yeah. <laughs> but I it's think, interesting, think... though, that, like... That that's those are two like Nazi not exploitation films are something that just still is. Kind I of think taboo. it's it's in fact it's not so much the um, the Nazism. I think I think certainly with Gestapo's last orgy, the the anti-Semitism was a mm. slight problem. But I think it's more in the way that those films uh, portray the sexual violence because uh, we we still have that's one of the only few contentious issues that we still have in the UK where. Um, sexual violence can't seem to be it can't be seen to be endorsed at all or in any way framed as um, erotic because it's against um, it's against like some obscure uh, part of the law um, so I think certainly with Love Camp 7 because Love Camp 7 is quite flippant in the way that it portrays its uh, sexual violence it's not gonna the thing is I think people who want to watch Love Camp 7 though they're not going to be believing this the, the nonsense that it portrays because it is so campily staged and so mm. stupid, really. Um, but I think, yeah, it's a bit of a bit of a bit of a weird one. It was that was rejected back in twenty twenty. Um, Love Camp Seven and Gestapo's Last Orgy was supposed to have a Blu Ray release over here. I think maybe the following year, and it was rejected again. So the company just ended up. Sent, ended up selling that particular copy in in the US anyway, which most people over here got. I don't know what the what the decision actually did because if anything, you just drew attention to it all over mm. again. Seems like um, a lot of posturing. Yes, yeah, exactly. Um, so no, the, there's not 33 still a band here. So I'll just the difference between section one and section two, at least, of from your understanding. So section one 
the prosecuted films. So those were the films that were prosecuted, but they were prosecuted constantly and mm -hmm. they were on the list from the beginning to the end. So by the time the, um, cause a new law was enacted basically after all of this, that made it um, illegal to sell a tape without a BBFC certificate on it. So essentially they imported the BBFC um, certificate system onto video. So all the videos that were in the country, I think over 10,000 videos at that time, had to be recalled and reclassified. And obviously cuts had to be made if the material was too bad. So the Section 1 films are all the films that were banned straight away and they didn't leave the list so that they were still technically illegal when the whole thing was over. The Section 2 part, the non-prosecuted films, so it's a little bit misleading. Some of them probably were prosecuted, at least at first, um, but as, but after juries watched them or, or like somebody watched them, they were acquitted at one point and it would have got to a point where they were, they kept being acquitted and the DPP had just made the decision saying, look, we're not going to get this film prosecuted properly. Like people just keep, uh, <laughs> keep saying there's nothing wrong with it. I know the evil dead in particular had a very, uh, infamous court case because um, Palace Video, who were the distributors of Evil Dead in the UK, um, actually did go to court and fight because they were a relatively young company, and I think they were actually you know, major film buffs themselves. So they knew exactly the material they had. They knew exactly how <laughs> how unobscene it was. <laughs> you know, they knew it wasn't going to legally get anywhere. So they, they really took it to court and defended themselves and they won out. You know, they, the, the case against evil dead was dropped. So some of these films clearly seem to have been put on there by accident mm -hmm. as well. So, um, I know the fun house, uh, the Toby Hooper film, that's, that was clearly a mistake because I mean, who knows why it got on there. There's, there's a suggestion. It was, it was, um, it was put on there by accident because they were after Last House on Dead End Street, which had a release over here as the Fun House, but that never really got a true proper release. I mean, it did get released, but the I think because of the Video Nasty scandal, they they sort of quietly cancelled um, it after a few um, after a few rounds of tapes were produced. Um, so there's a suggestion that that happened, but yeah, so that the 33. That were um, that were non-prosecuted were essentially just dropped from the list. So eventually, it was okay to watch those again. But if I'm being honest, the the the, the atmosphere in the country was so vile towards people um, who were even slightly suggesting that there was a defence against video nasties that no one would have touched these films for several years. And indeed, they didn't. Lots of these films didn't get releases until way into the 2010s. You know, it's a kind of nuts, really. Now I am curious and hopefully, you know, might have some insight that I obviously don't, but when it comes to, cause obviously the lists were created at a certain point in time, obviously films were added in periodically, but where was the, the line that was drawn on which new films were just stopped? Like we're, we're not, we're now reclassifying them in a different manner. We're not adding them onto the video nasties list. Hmm. So, um, Basically, the UK after so the the piece of legislation that came into power was called the Video Recordings Act, and it specified that um, all videos had to be classified the same way as cinema releases, except that the BBFC had to 
Um, bear in mind, like the possibility that this was going to be viewed in the home, obviously because mm-hmm. it's 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 home video, so of course it's sure. going to be viewed in the home. What that basically meant, well, well, in in a very typical way, as is with governmental actions, they weren't particularly clear about what that meant legally. So the BBFC basically just um, treated every uh, videotape with kid gloves, really, and they were overly cautious when. Uh, classifying films and really uh the uk became quite censorious after the the video nasties because i think they just wanted to avoid any potential uh future controversies so lots of films that got releases before then just simply didn't get releases anymore i know that um infamously texas chainsaw massacre uh didn't get a release in the uk until 2000 and that was simply because um there's not really much you can censor in the Texas Chainsaw Massacre because there's no specific violence that mm-hmm. is vis- visual. Most sure. of it is is suggested heavily, or it's um, through sound. So, uh, well, and also tone, just visual tone. Mm-hmm. The whole to- the whole tone of the film feels icky. So, I think in that that case, the the BBFC was saying we can't really classify this film because there's something about it that we can't remove through censorship. So. We're just going to hold off on it. So quite a, quite a lot of times that would happen. Films wouldn't necessarily be banned, but the BBFC would say it's probably not the right time to look at this film yet, so we can't classify it. And it would kind of be banned like just by default because they were sure. unwilling to make a decision. So you know, that, that it, happened. It's interesting you bring up Texas Chainsaw Massacre that it took into 2000 for it to be released in the UK because in the States, when it was initially classified, it was classified as an X, as an X-ray. Mm. And what wow. ends up happening is they bring it back, they edited it down because the goal was to get the film as a PG rating uh, because they were like, <laughs> we want to get as many eyes as possible on this film. So at the time, well, I guess it wasn't technically PG. We had a G rating at the time. There was no PG-13 it was X, yeah. R, and G. And so they wanted to get it down for more people to get eyes on it. So they were trying to get it down to a G rating. So they submit it back. They come back and say, okay, thank you for all the edits you made. This movie is now rated R. And they come back and go, okay, well, fuck that shit. Just release it as X. And so when yeah. it released in the United States, it's released as an X, X-rated film. Thing is, is like if you, you know, anyone who watches it today, to your point, the all any violence on screen is for i would say almost all of it is suggested and Mm -hmm. if it was released today in the state that it was back then it probably would get a pg-13 rating Mm. there's really no language there's really there's no nudity at all there's nothing really there no it would you know that would suggest that it could get anything higher than that i Um, think i think i think that was its power and that's why the bbsc didn't really want to unleash it because there was just it was too skillful in how it executed its anxiety and tension. And it was something that they really couldn't remove. I mean, even if they'd sort of tried to censor it, it would still be absolutely loaded thick with atmosphere and uncomfort, you know, discomfort. So I think that's probably why they just held off on it because it just it wasn't something that they could deal with at that time. I like the um, idea of someone releasing a version of the Texas Chainsaw Massacre that removes the original score and replaces it with like circus music. Um, so it sounds like a, like a silent film, like a comedy silent film, and it's just like slapstick. 
and just yeah. see what that looks like. Like I, I would remove the tension. There you go. That's the UK version that we're going to release next. Uh, so as time as time has passed, some of the guidelines and laws over in the UK have started to lessen. Uh, films mm. that are much more violent and would have most certainly turned Mrs. White House, uh, turned her brain inside out, uh, have been distributed for wide theatrical releases. Uh, the first films that come to mind for me would be films such as Saul or Hostel, something that we would categorize as the subgenre of torture porn, which I feel like that's mm. just kind of a shitty term. But I mm. suppose people still like to use it. So why not here? Um, now, do you believe that, um, you know, that all of this was just a product of the times or, or today it's just a product of the times we become more liberal in the way that we consume our media? Or do you believe that Satan worshipers have finally infiltrated the parliament and this is, is what has occurred to relax the views that people now have? <laughs> um, I mean, it's an interesting talking point. I, I think... Um... I think it's definitely true that people have just watched more movies now. So uh, I think back then, um, the only way to really see a film before video was to just to go to the, the cinema. And cinema attendance had been like declining for, for decades in the, in the UK. So people just weren't very cine literate at all. Um, I think when video came out, it really gave people an opportunity to start becoming a bit more um, movie literate. Um, but it, th that's why there were so many cock-ups, I think. I mean, the, the police themselves obviously di didn't weren't movie buffs, and they just took lots of movies off the shelves, and they didn't really know what the movie was. Um, so you had, you had a lot of famous um, films being uh, taken that actually weren't even listed on the Video Nasties list. Um, films like Basket Case and um, Mad Men, um, even like... Um, What's it called? Uh, the Best Little Whorehouse in Texas, uh, which is the Dolly Parton musical, just because it said whorehouse. So, so one of the police officers assumed it was hardcore porn in there. Um, so I think just as a country, we've, we've become much more movie centered, you know, because movies are everywhere now. So I think it just took a bit of time for us to get used to movies and realize that, oh, yeah, they actually weren't so bad, these movies. And we haven't had any major censorship problems here since, really. We've had one or two. You mean you can maybe count them on your hand, and one of which is um, the Human Centipede Two, which has had, which um, was initially rejected over here, um, before they made some slight cuts to it, not much, and then they released it like without much pr problem. And again, there was really no point to it because you can import the complete mm -hmm. version from. It seems to be purely symbolic nowadays that any censorship issues over here. Um, it just makes it easier for people to get it if it's released over here. But it's not a it's not a barrier by any means. I've mm. I've got access to the entire world pretty much from the internet. So that is yeah, collect col yeah collectors are not going to let stuff like that really get in the way. You know the story behind Human Centipede Two. Uh, for those who might have skipped that film because you watched the first one and were like, "Ah, this is fucked up. I don't want to see this. Anything else related to this?" Uh, the film is shot in black and white. Uh, apparently, Tom Six, the director of Human Centipede, actually the original cut was in color, and it was apparently much, much, much worse. Which I can only imagine how gross that movie would have been in color. And that version of the film apparently just sits in his private collection. 
Um, no, like apparently if you go to his house, if he, he throws parties sometimes. Um, he'll show you that version of the movie, which I don't know why anyone would want to see that. But uh, I mean, <laughs> even the black and white versions gross as is, and you don't even see the different colors of bodily fluids that are all over the place. And by the end of that movie, it's all over the place. Um, <laughs> so I could definitely see like that, that, that makes sense to me. Um, <laughs> so with our time coming to a close, I, I am curious of your thoughts on what the lasting impact of the video nasties means to you. Do you believe that this crackdown on explicit or obscene content with heavy emphasis on quotation marks was more a product of the time? Or do you believe that in such unprecedented times that we currently live in, you know, especially like, I mean, even here in the United States, I mean, we're banning children's books that include LGBTQ content. Uh, you can't show people are boycotting if a trans person is on a beer can. Um, mm. Do you believe that that we could see a resurgence with, of the video nasties with modern films? Um, I think with modern films, it might be possible. It might be. I somehow don't think so. I, I, I Like you were saying, I think um, we've moved a lot of our attention onto other things, and it certainly seems to be uh, much more burning political sides than anything else. Certainly, there's a there's a bit of a resurgence in uh, anti-LGBT sentiment mm -hmm. across the world, um, and also like even here in the UK, we're, we're we're no short of problems. We have a huge transphobia problem over here too. Um, we've obviously got a bit of a, um, a xenophobia problem as well with the whole bre the whole Brexit thing. Uh, there's there's all sorts of problems. Yeah, we've all we've all got our own problems. But I, I definitely feel like because of the age of the internet and you know stuff like TikTok and um, sharing the video sites and stuff like that, I think that these sort of panics, which used to be huge countrywide ones, um, at least are becoming more telescopic and they're becoming smaller scale. But as I think as a byproduct of that they're actually becoming more intense. Like I think because in the past they were spread out and they were maybe slow burners. Mm -hmm. Now it seems to be in more localized places across the world and they're increasing in their um, fervidity, shall we say, like they're becoming increasingly vicious and nasty. And I, I think, you know, the internet is probably more to blame for that because there's really not much uh, room for nuance on the internet. Mm -hmm. I mean, Anyone who goes on Twitter knows that nuance doesn't really exist on on Twitter whatsoever. Oh, it's a hellscape. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it's yeah, it's a hellscape where I've met a lot of people, and I, I I probably wouldn't leave it. But yes, hellscape is is really putting it lightly. Um, I so I I don't know. I think certainly there is the potential to return to at least banning certain movies. But I certainly think it's much more politically charged um, than movies can possibly get a get a grasp on. Um, I don't think we're going to have any problems here in the UK in terms of uh, censoring films. But never say never. I mean, this this happened. <laughs> this happened. Uh. It can, you know, history teaches us that it can. History can always be repeated if people forget it, which is kind of why I'm writing the book in the first place. Um, you know, this this all happened way before I was born, and uh, it's it was kind of just a cool thing to really tell people about. Like, did you know that, that these films were banned? Like, you've seen this film? Did you know you could get arrested for that? Like back then, you know, like just sell, selling this movie. So this is kind of why I'm doing the book because I kind of want to put it into perspective for like my generation of like what it 
must have been like and kind of try to try to condense this particular um social phenomenon like in a kind of way that my generation would understand because you know we've grown up with netflix and streaming services i mean we grew up with we grew up with (laughs) youtube version 1.0 in which on the front page was just like isis beheading videos when i was in like a freshman (laughs) in high school so like exactly the guy look i feel like there's definitely a line in which like censorship should be something we do like things like Mm. hate speech and i do think to your point when you mentioned twitter that is something you know since musk's takeover that is something Mm. that we see now where it was something that was like if you you know if you said those words and you said things that are very hateful like you would be banned these people are now you know getting verified with names Mm. that include words that we shouldn't be saying Um, no i'll leave it there and so it isn't it's it's great like i do feel like there is a line there that's like hey if we don't step up and we stop certain things like this then we will end up back especially here in the united states where you know it wasn't it wasn't that long ago where people you know people of color didn't have the right to vote mm, and exactly. we had we had lynchings and shit like that and and, and that's horrible and so mm. preventing that i think is very important but also i still feel like that to your point like when it comes to things like movies and stuff like we're, we're imposing censorship in the wrong places yes we're, course, yeah we're, absolutely. we're subverting our our vision we're like refusing to look at the train that just crashed because we want to look at something else and be yes. like no 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 don't worry about all these horrific things that are happening you know this person's gay and like that's yeah, not okay yeah. and like that is so fucked up and it is um, yeah you know we've always uh, on this podcast have always been very upfront with our political views and um mm. you know here's the thing like everyone has a right to live and a right to happiness and absolutely in yeah. my opinion too everyone has a right to be able to watch movies um, oh. <laughs> absolutely so i think in today's world we'd go mad if we didn't have movies i mean we're so we're so lucky as as collectors and as movie buffs we've we've got everything out there you know for us just just ripe for the taking yeah no i agree 100 percent. and that brings me into the last question i have for you well well, the last Mm. question i have now this is something we always ask all of our guests it's Mm -hmm. a long-standing tradition if someone new is on the show we have to ask if you had to choose one film from the trash mm-hmm. cinema genre, what would you save and why would you save it? Oh, right. Okay. Um, I'm going to go with uh, The Mad Foxes. Have you ever heard of that movie? Mm-mm. Right. Okay. Okay. So uh, strap yourself in. <laughs> so The Mad Foxes was actually one of the video nasties that was on the Section 3 list. Uh, it's a Spanish uh, movie. Um, it's essentially <laughs> it's about a guy. It, the, the film literally starts with a guy who uh, gets in trouble with a Nazi biker gang. Like they just start trash talking each other for no reason, and they get into like a, a really crappy sort of uh, drag race type thing. And one of the bikers dies. So of course the bikers then want revenge. So they seek him out and they they brutalize him a little bit and then they rough his girlfriend up and then basically it then becomes a re- a, a, a full length pissing contest between these two 
arsehole groups because the the main guy is an arsehole like just an absolute arsehole of the highest caliber uh, a real creep as well like his, his girlfriend literally gets beaten up and sexually assaulted and he's then with another woman by later that evening like swaps girls continuously and these these nazi bikers are also the gayest nazi bikers i've ever seen they they frequently walk around completely naked and we're talking full full frontal nudity we got some hogs. Uh, you know we got oh, hogs yes. and we got hogs all right <laughs> f- yes f- full full flaccid penises flapping about everywhere um then you know this guy gets a, a martial arts group to attack them this martial arts group do so and end up cutting someone's dick off and shoving it down his throat and then the biker gang gets revenge by throwing grenades into the bloody martial arts school and blowing people up. Uh, oh, it, it's really hard to describe Mad Foxes in any way that's sort of... Um, <laughs> it's just a trashy movie. It's so trashy, but it's so hilarious. It's so inept. It's so stupid. Um, people just have sex all the time, like out of nowhere, like when it doesn't even advance the plot, like there is no plot. It's basically just two groups getting revenge on each other for, for really, really over nothing. And it's like violent and sexually violent. And there's like, say castration. Someone's, someone's sitting on the toilet and the poor guy gets a grenade, like practically up the bum. Um, it's, just, it's, it's really hard to describe, but out of all sold the, me. you've sold out me of all, out of all the trash movies um, that I've seen, that one or is always a hit with my friends. Like always, <laughs> there's even a bit where like these two people are sort of having sex in a bathtub, but the bath water is so disgustingly green; it looks like they're just bathing in piss. <laughs> and 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 I, and I and I don't think it's intentional. <laughs> I think so what I just. I just think that they didn't. They must have shot the scene lots of times and not realize that the water was just dirty. What I'm <laughs> but... hearing is is uh, essentially this is just like uh, I don't know a more penis filled version of Stray Dogs uh, with uh, potentially less of a plot. Kind of, yeah, yeah. I mean, there's some moments which are particularly vile, but it's mostly mostly a, a comedy, really. I mean, it's it's so. The fact that this was on the video nasties list, I mean, albeit it was on the one that you just had to give the film up, and then that's it. You didn't have to talk talk about it anymore. But the fact that this got on there, I, I don't know how anyone could watch this and genuinely be, I don't know, taking it seriously enough to be offended. It's it's possibly one of the most ridiculous films I've ever seen, but I love it so much. <laughs> like I, I just, it, it, yeah, it's really hard to describe, but. Just promise me that if you do go and see it, that you'll let me know what you think of it. Because oh, I, I, I want you to come back on the show <laughs> and review it with me. Oh, nice! Oh, that would be wonderful. It's, I would, yes. I would love to have you back to do that because that <laughs> seems it seems like I need a deft hand to be able to explain some of this to me. Yeah, it's yeah, it's it's something that you won't forget, and I it's it stands the test of time because it's one of the it's one of the few trash films that i really return to often like it's it's always pulled out of the of the um, of the shelves when someone's come around for a drink or something and just say come on let's just watch mad foxes <laughs> it's well, just, it's genuinely that good i can't wait to see it myself now andy 
This concludes our time together. First, I want to say thank you so much for joining me. I know it is very late right now where you are, and you just taking the time to sit down with us and having this discussion means the world to me. But I don't want to leave you empty-handed. I want to make sure the people at home also have the option and the ability to check out the work you're doing. I will be including a link in the description below of your podcast, wherever you're listening to. You will see it there, a link to the Nasty Pasty website so you can check out what Andy's doing. But Andy, in your own words, like, why don't you tell the people at home what you have going on? Talk a little bit about your book. Maybe, you know, if you got some timetables on when you think it might be released, like we we want to know how we can support you. Well, um, so <laughs> I've been writing this book for a long time. Uh, I don't see it being released anytime soon. Uh, because I'm also a graphic designer as well, so I'm sort of laying out the pages and uh, doing all the design stuff. I've practically finished the book in terms of its design. Now I just need to get writing it. Um, I've been writing it since 2016, so it's a bit a long time coming, as you can imagine. But it's tough to find the time when uh, you've been, you know, you're employed in a full-time job somewhere else, and most of your time is devoted to to that. So you have to try and really crammed the, the passion in, in between those other times. So I don't see it being released anytime too soon, but certainly within the next three years or so. So unfortunately, it is a major TBA on that one, I'm afraid. Um, but in the meantime, so um, I started Nasty Pasty around about the same time. So uh, we, I'm a, it's just me, just a one-man band. So um, I do a podcast. I haven't done a podcast episode in a while, but we basically take two movies um, that were around or available at the same time as the video nasties, but didn't get on the list. And the point of the podcast was to basically say, look, these films were out around the same time. They're probably just as exploitative or violent or sexy or all this other thing, you know, as the, as the actual video nasties themselves, but they didn't get on the list and trying to, you know, prompt people like, well, why was that? You know, why were these movies chosen and why were these not? Why were these ignored? And it was during um, during the, this particular part of the podcast that um, I found that some films actually were seized. So it was actually quite a quite a good uh, research part for the book because I ended up uncovering those instances like like Madman um, and uh, what was the other one? Pink Flamingos was also mm. seized. Yeah, There's also Waters. yeah. yeah. I think that was simply just because there's the you know, unsimulated sex in it, which was they saw <laughs> just... the, they saw John Waters' mustache and were like, "Whatever this man produces <laughs> is going on this list," and honestly, rightfully so. I love the guy, but fair enough. Yeah. Um. So in the meantime, um. Well, so certainly, um. From last year onwards, I started uh, producing collectors booklets because um, I I I, event, I got a I got a stint on um. There was a there was a trilogy box set over here um, of the urban legend films on Blu-ray and a good friend of mine sort of, um, we just uh, you know, sort of met each other at the right place, right time. And I managed to get uh, to contribute an essay to the booklet on that particular release. And obviously I, 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 I like writing about films and I like talking about movies and I just really enjoyed doing it. And I thought, Oh, I, I'd like to do more of that sort of stuff, you know, actually contribute stuff to releases. I thought that'd be great. So I kind of pushed myself out there a little bit and tried to get other jobs, but nothing was really biting. So in the end, I just thought, you know what? Fuck it. I'm just going to write my own stuff. I'm going to design my own booklets and I'm just going to sell them if people want them for their, their collection. So 
I've done all sorts of things. Yeah, I, I tend to do essays about movies, about a particular uh, aspect of it. Um, like, say, uh, do you know um, Michele Suave's Stage Fright? Mm-hmm. The yeah, so um, that was the first one I ever did, and I basically wrote an essay about theatrical-based slasher movies. So any slasher movie that was set in a theater or something like that, and I did like a bit of a, a deep dive on that particular trope. And over time, I've done lots of other things. I've done um, I've done a replica of the Book of Abon from Lucio Fulci's Gates of Hell trilogy. I've done uh, the Three Mothers book from. Dario Argento's um, Supernatural trilogy, you know, Suspiria, Inferno, that that one. And it's all been done with, like, um, so I've obviously recreated the content from the films, but then I've added my own lore in there. So, like, for example, with um, with the Book of Avon, I went and reread lots of H.P. Lovecraft, and I sort of tried to link all three films together, and then I suggested uh, links to other Italian films that have the same themes, you know, about Gates to Hell and stuff like that. And with um, with the Dario Argento book, I went back to Suspiria de Profundis, the original text that um, Dario Argento was inspired by, and grabbed you know inspiration from there, and then sort of had it translated into Latin, you know, and <laughs> that sort of thing. So I've made it as, look as um, authentic as possible. And then sometimes I've just done art cards that portray all the different versions of Jason Voorhees across the whole Friday the Thirteenth series. So. I'm basically just trying to amass loads of uh, collectible merch for people who collect movies. I think it's and amazing. Just, yeah, just uh, because yeah, you, you buy a movie and sometimes it's really bare bones and there's nothing inside it except the disc. And you just think, what what a missed opportunity. You know, People love that. This is the reason why we collect it. We love looking through the case and examining everything and reading stuff. You know, it's, 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 a, it's a missed opportunity when stuff doesn't have that. So... Basically, Nasty Pasty is there to plug that gap and you know, make sure that everyone gets something nice for their film collection. That's fucking awesome. I've been looking through it myself, and trust me, uh, there's so much there that I'm like, this has to be included because uh, I'm, <laughs> I'm in love with it. Um, but thank you again, Andy. You have been amazing. And thank you to the audience for being here as well. And if you've enjoyed the show, please rate, review, and share the hell out of it with your friends, loved ones, and worst of enemies honestly word of mouth is key here and we aren't beggars also fuck keith if you're interested in video games check out our sister podcast the spotlight games podcast and all of your favorite streaming services we also stream live every tuesday at on twitch at 8 p.m eastern so join us live there now in the meantime you can follow me at the dumpster boy on twitter andy where can they find the nasty passy pod where can they find you on twitter uh so both yeah we're both on twitter so Nasty Pasty is founder at Nasty Pasty Pod, and I am as at Rackety Esprus. All right, hell yeah! And you can follow our sister podcast at Spot Game Spot on Twitter, and Spotlight Game Spot on Instagram. And if you want to follow STC, once again, you can follow that at Save Trash Cinema on all socials. Remember, fight big box office, save trash cinema. Video Nasties, the Home Secretary, says he won't change the law to ban them altogether.